Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. you guys doing better now you know listen you can do that anytime any place anywhere you are well you can do that most times most places that you are there's some where you can't you know they'd lock you up you know but but almost anywhere you are you can get alone with him and you can worship you don't need a team of people it doesn't have to be Sunday morning you can just get alone with him and just start to worship and pour out your heart and you can jump up and down and shout and praise and do whatever's inside of you, alone with Him. And honestly, I think what makes times like this powerful in worship is that it's not people who just come on stage and do it on a Sunday, but it's people who live that life of worship every single day, coming up and doing what they always do. They're just doing it in front of us and leading us in worship. But you can do that anytime. And if you saw me in my alone time, if you saw, if you saw our household, if you guys could spy on me and Patty for one day, we would look nuts at times, stomping around the house, shouting and, you know, just, just praying and, and claiming promises and reminding ourselves of things he said, reminding him. He said, bring me in remembrance of my word. There's times where I'm just, I'm shouting to God, God, you said this, you know, and it's like, as I'm saying that, I hear myself saying that God said this and it's a reminder to me that he said it. Um, but I just want to encourage you guys with something. What was the first command that God gave to man was to be fruitful and multiply. And then Jesus said, it's better that I go because if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. What does the Holy Spirit do inside of us? Produces fruit. How's the way the kingdom multiplies? We go out led by the Spirit, be fruitful and multiply. Because when we're manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, who doesn't want to be part of that? Who isn't impacted by someone who's patient and loving and kind and gentle and meek in a world full of people who are everything that's opposite of that? What doesn't stand out when you walk in this world with the fruit of the Spirit multiplying in your life, manifesting in your life? It's still the same command, guys. He just wants us to go out and be fruitful and multiply. The great thing about it is is the responsibility is not ours to make the fruit happen. Responsibility is ours to yield to the one who does. Yeah. It's a good word, Roy. Um, If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I promised we're going to get to this today. (laughs) I think I got four verses in, stopped, and we went a different direction. I thank you guys. You guys were so encouraging. So many people were like, man, I'm, I'm so thankful that you did that. But it's so awesome to know that we have a family that, that, that is like for you, that are excited when you just have to get out what's inside of you. You know, there's messages inside of me, like this message here, like it's an awesome message. God put it inside of me and it's me. Then there's sometimes where there's this message inside of you that you just, you would, you would, it would not have been good if I had not preached that last week, what I preached if I would have tried to hold that in and preach something else the whole time, it wouldn't have been good. It would, it would have been me not being obedient. It would have been me sticking to something that I had planned and not following what he had planned. And you guys don't want that. I don't want that. And I'm so thankful that we have the permission in this family to just go where we feel like God's leading us every single Sunday. Um, 
He's trustworthy, so we can just follow and trust him. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've been here for a long time um, talking about the, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and the reason why is because I think that, that if Paul were writing a letter to the church today, he may say the same thing to us. He may say, now concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. There's a chance that were he writing a letter to the church in America, to the church in Greenville, to us, he may start his letter, one of his chapters of his letter, with this line. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking of the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, we stop here every time because I want us to get this. To each one. That means, in the Greek, in the original language, it means to each one. So nobody's exempt. See, just because there's a gift of the Spirit isn't manifesting in your life doesn't mean that you haven't been given that by Him. And, and I think that's why Paul was saying this. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. Why? Because he's saying, look, the Spirit of God wants to do things in you. And if you're uninformed and you have no idea what He wants you to do, you could live your life with this gift manifesting in you and you have no idea what it is. There's so many times when people find out about spiritual gifts, they realize, oh, I've, I've done that. They just didn't know what it was. They found themselves in a situation where, where they were given a word of wisdom. And they, they just, they, they, for some reason, they didn't understand. That was the Spirit of God giving them supernatural wisdom that they shouldn't have known and insight into something. And when they find out about that gift, they say, oh, I, yeah, I've, I've done that. Or, or, or the one we're going to talk about today. You know, when this happens in people's lives, when they find out about it, they realize like, oh, I've, I've, I've had that. I just didn't know what it was called. And... And we could say, well, so why do we need to know about it? Because the more we understand what it is, the more we can do the thing that Paul told us to do, which is to earnestly desire it. And the more we understand what it is, the more we can actually act on it when it starts to manifest in our life because we trust the one who's causing that to happen. So when he gives you a word for somebody and you're talking to them and all of a sudden you know something about them that you shouldn't know, you just trust, God, you're showing me this for a reason, not just so that I could later say, oh, it was cool, God said this, or God said that. It's because there's something that you want to do, and you think that this gift is the way into this person's heart that you want to reach. So, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's not for your good alone. It's not so that you can have a big name. It's not so that you have this trick. It's given to each and every one of us for the common good, which means that if you're not actually yielding to the Spirit of God and letting Him manifest in your life the way He wants to, not only is it disturbing your walk, but it's disturbing the walks of people around you because it's given for the common good. Not just my good. So all of a sudden, this isn't just about me anymore. I have a responsibility and obligation to you to allow God to do through me what He wants to do. Because it's for your good and for my good. It's for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. 
to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so, so if there was nothing else written, we could say, well, I mean, there's not really a whole lot for me to do because it says that the spirit distributes them just as he determines. Problem is, is if you keep reading, chapter 14 starts with, therefore, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So maybe his will to distribute is influenced by our earnestly desiring. Otherwise, that's a useless command. Otherwise, what Paul's saying, so earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but it doesn't matter if you earnestly desire them or not because the Spirit of God's going to give them however he wants to give them. It doesn't even make sense. We have to make sure we take the whole counsel of Scripture, that we don't camp on that one verse and say, well, you know, because a lot of people will say, well, I'm open to the Spirit of God doing whatever He wants to do. Open means I can't deny it's in the Bible, but I'm not actually pursuing and desiring it the way the Bible instructs me to a lot of times. No one in here would ever have said that, but some people on the podcast, maybe that's the way that they think. I know it's in here, not us. But you can imagine, there's some people who maybe say, well, if the Spirit of God gives them as He wills, then if I don't have spiritual gifts manifesting in his life, it's, not, it's because He doesn't will to. But the problem with that is, is that maybe His will is affected by our desire. Because maybe Jesus said that whatever you ask in My name, it will be given to you. Whatever you ask in My name will be given unto you. Maybe James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him... Ask of God who gives liberally to all men, but when he asks. Not only do you have to ask, now he qualifies. When you ask, you must believe that we have what we're asking. Otherwise, let that man expect to receive nothing of God. That's, that's, that's the Word of God. Is it God's will to give wisdom? Says he gives liberally to all who ask. But in there, there's a qualifier. But when you ask, you must believe that you actually are going to receive what it is that you're asking for. That means what? That means a prayer that goes, God, I mean, I don't really think this stuff is real, but if it is, go ahead and give it to me. Probably doesn't get a whole lot from God. And the truth of the matter is, is even if our prayer sounds good, if the position of our heart isn't, probably not going to receive a whole lot. Because while man's busy looking at the outside, man's busy judging what you believe by what you say, God's busy looking at the heart. And you can pray prayers that sound so good and people would think, wow, that person really is just going after stuff. But in your heart, you're full of unbelief, you're full of judgment, you're full of all those things, and yet you're praying this because you know what the Word says and so you want your mouth to line up. You become like the Pharisees and Jesus said with their lips, they do praise me, but their hearts are far. I'm just saying that if it was possible in Jesus' time with Him on the earth, speaking straight to people, it's probably possible now. So, so I want to talk today about the distinguishing between spirits. And as is with a lot of these gifts, there's a gift and then there's a, also a, a thing that's kind of for every believer. Like when we talked about gifts of healing, you know, it says that Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But then in here it talks about gifts of healing. And I'm not really sure, and I don't, I don't know anybody that is or that claims to be sure where the gift stops and the, these signs will follow them that believe starts or any of that stuff. So rather than trying to figure it out, 
I think the disciples purposely didn't write in the Bible when they were writing the Bible, and Paul didn't write when he was writing in Luke, when he was writing Acts. I believe they purposely didn't say, well, this time it was a gift of healing, this time it was just because of someone believing or any of that stuff. And the reason why is because I think what we would do is if we saw a pattern where a certain type of person had a gift manifest, a certain other type of, we would start labeling it and saying, well, that gift's only for these type of people or only for that kind of people because we love to make formulas out of things. We really do. We want to make things a formula. It's our human nature. We want to, as much as possible, have an efficient little box that we fit all of our theology into so we can present it to people and say, this is what we believe. The problem is, is that there's so many different ways that, that, that healing manifested. Sometimes you saw the faith of a friend. Sometimes you saw the faith of a person. Sometimes you saw the faith of a boss, of a master. Sometimes he saw the faith in the person. Sometimes he didn't see anything and he didn't even know who it was that touched him. Put that in your blender of your theology and, and, and turn it on high and pour that out into a cup and that's what it looks like. And if anyone says, well, they have it all figured out, they are so far from having it all figured out. And I'm not saying that privately, like if I can't, no one else can. I'm just saying, if anyone can go through the Bible, find every way that healing manifested, there was people who walked and a, and a shadow of Peter passed over them and they were healed. Some people they sent Paul's handkerchief to that had been prayed over and they were healed. Put all that stuff in there, stir it all up and tell me how neat that is, how tidy that is. Come on, we got to be okay saying, I'm not really sure exactly how all of it works. It's okay. Nobody thinks you do anyways. Nobody thinks you have it all figured out. Nobody expects you to. In fact, when you act like you do, people get suspicious. I get suspicious. Because there's just so much in the Word, and I think it's because God just enjoys the, the, our pursuit of Him as much as He does giving us the answer. It's because He wants us to come after Him. It's why He hid things. He could have made things so plain, but it says it's the, it's the pleasure of God to hide a matter, conceal a matter. It's the, it's the desire of kings, the pleasure of kings to seek it out. He's playing hide and seek. He wants to be found. Trust me, He wants to be found. If He wanted to never be found, He could make sure that we never found this stuff out. I promise you, He's got good hiding spots. He holds the stars in the span of His hands. He can find places to hide things that you can't look. But He wants to be found. He wants to be known. So, um, so with this one, with distinguishing between spirits, it's another one of those abilities that there's a gift and then there's also an ability. Like in 1 John chapter 4, John's writing to the church. I love the books, uh, the letters from John to the church because these are John as he's, he's grown in the Lord. He's walked with the Lord and and he's concerned for the church because there's these truths, trying, these truths trying to make their way into the church. You know, people are coming along, the Gnostics and these people are coming along and they're trying to teach things and they've got a form of godliness. That's why Paul says, be careful of the fine-sounding arguments. Why? Because it's a lot of truth mixed with a little twist that leads people astray. So we have to test everything. Test everything I say. Hold it up to the Word. Don't just blindly accept anything that anybody says. Because it's a fine-sounding argument. It's a lot of truth with a little twist that lead people astray. That's why we try to use so much Scripture when we preach here is because we want to make sure everything we're saying is not just cherry-picking a verse to mean what we want it to mean, that we're actually taking the whole counsel of Scripture and saying, this is what the Word says. And sometimes we hold all of it up and we say, this is what the Word says, and we're not exactly sure what all that means, but here's what we know. That's okay. You know, we, we experienced... Tragedy this past week. 
heartbreaking tragedy in the family of a man that I've grown to love in the short time that I've known him. He's been coming here. And it doesn't make sense to me at all. I don't know that anyone could say that they've made sense of it. But what we have to be careful to do is this. We can't let what we don't understand violate what God has spoken. He says He's a loving Father. We can't let things that happen come along and take from us the idea that He's a loving Father and stand on our little soapbox and point a finger at Him and say, well, if you're a loving Father, how could you? We have to be okay saying, look, I don't understand this, but I clearly do know this because He revealed it in His Word. And it's okay, and don't feel the need to have an answer until God speaks. And if He never speaks, then you can be okay never having an answer and just saying, I don't understand that. But this I do. So that, uh, John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. So, this is something that's not a gift of the distinguishing of spirits. This is actually something that he's teaching that every believer could do. Here's a way that you can know, because these people were coming along and they're saying, well, well, you know, Jesus is a good man, but he wasn't really God in the flesh. He wasn't really fully God, fully man. And they're teaching these weird things. And so, so John is now teaching the church, here's a way that you guys can distinguish. And this is a pretty specific thing for this church where they are at this time. He's saying, here's something that you guys can use. Every one of you can test the Spirit behind with speaking. Because, see, back then, they, the, the Bible wasn't published yet. Like, this letter was just a letter. It wasn't like it was in the canon of Scripture. They didn't get the Bible, open it up, and find what John wrote to them. And so they didn't have a lot of ways to compare a lot of things. They had the Old Testament. They had some letters had been passed around and, 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 and some, um, some of the, the historical documents, but they didn't have a Bible they could go to and search out. And, so, and this was all new, a lot of it. And so, so John's saying, look, here, here's a way that you guys can know when these people come and they're trying to teach you. If they say this, then you know it's not from God. Test the Spirit behind everything. Why? Because there's a Spirit behind everything. It could be the Spirit of God. It could be the Spirit of man. It could be demonic spirit. But there's a Spirit behind everything. Something is motivating everything that is said and done. Everything that you encounter in life, something or someone is motivating that. That's a sobering thought to think about. And so he's, he's giving these guys an uh, instruction. And then, so, so that's one type of discernment. That's a, a one way of distinguishing spirits. But that's not the, the, the supernatural gift, the spiritual gift of the distinguishing of spirits. That's something that was for everybody in the church. There's also just discernment that comes. Hebrews says those who have grown strong have, by way of exercise, have grown their, way, their discernment between good and evil. In other words, the longer you walk with God, the more you actually go after Him and you know Him. You start to know who He is and what He's like and you start to recognize when something isn't of Him, even if you don't know why. You ever had that where you, where you, just, you just, because you know God, you, you just so well, you know Him, you just know something's not Him. And sometimes that may be the distinguishing spiritual gift, but sometimes that's just those who have walked with Him and who have grown and sharpened their ability to tell the difference in good and evil. My wife has more like natural discernment than I do. She does. Um, 
I, I, don't, I don't know how that works, but it seems like a lot of times women do. Maybe that's something that God's built in because we're here to help each other. Um, but, but if I would have listened to my wife in so many situations, I would have saved myself so much trouble. And yet I still don't sometimes. <laughs> just being honest. I'm growing. I mean, even like her, just her senses around our home. Like, this morning, she walked in the house, and she inst- we, we all walked in the house together. We went outside because I was taking a picture of her and Aaliyah because they looked so cute this morning. And We walked back in the house, and she is all of a sudden just on high alert. What smells? What's on fire? Something's burning. And I, I'm, I'm in the same house she's in, and I'm going, I don't smell anything. And Aaliyah's like, I don't smell anything either, because Aaliyah will kind of just say what I'm saying, you know, because she doesn't want to be bothered with this. And I was, Patty's like, no, no. She's following her nose to Jackson's room, and, and there on his nightstand, he has two walkie-talkies on a charger, and there's smoke coming up out of the charger. And his reply is, oh, it, it always does that. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Patty, Patty goes, what is that? He's holding it. It's smoldering. She goes, what is that? He says, oh, it always does that. She's like, well, no, no, it's not supposed to. So he plugs it. He says, well, sometimes I put the wrong charger because uh, I lost the charger for this. So I tried different ones to see if it will work. And, so, and every time I do, it starts smoking if it's the wrong one. That's Jackson's litmus test. No smoke must be good. You know, praise God that, that he plugged it in when he did and that it, that didn't happen after we had stepped outside the house because we were getting ready to leave or who knows what would have happened, right? But Yeah, we, I mean, we already almost burnt down the whole house once with an RC car charger. I mean, there was literal flames. I was in there beating them. My wife was running around screaming, looking for children, <laughs> freaking out. It's always Jackson's room. There's fire in Jackson's room. Yeah. But, but even just things like that, just like, it just seems like her discernment, her senses in certain situations are just a little more heightened than mine. Maybe it's because she's the mom. Maybe the house is, is, is kind of her. She tells me all the time, this is my space. I come home sometimes during the day and she's like, okay, you need to go somewhere because this is my space. Because she's busy doing stuff and so anyways but 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 there's this natural discernment you guys know what that is right and, and you can grow in that and you, you know some people just seem like they have a little bit more of that than others but but then there's this thing that that's a spiritual gift of distinguishing between spirits and being able to tell the spirit that's motivating the person or the thing or the event or the words and we need this guys listen this is a gift that's not just like a, well, they, none of them are, right? It's, these aren't luxuries. Like, these are essential, especially as the days grow and we get closer and closer to the end because we know the promise in the end is that deception is going to come into the world and it's going to be so strong that it were it possible, even the elect would be led astray. We need this. I need this. You need this. We need this gift. Because you can't just... You know, we judge things most of the time on, on, on what we see or what we hear or what we know. Sometimes what we smell. Right? But you just you, you can't always just go by what you see 
Open your Bibles, to um, turn to, to Exodus chapter 7. God's talking to Moses and Aaron now, and He's going to send them to talk to Pharaoh. And I just, I think this is an incredible warning for us. Exodus chapter 7, verse 8, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say, he's talking to Moses, even though Moses and Aaron are there, why? Because even if there's a group of people, God generally has a person He's speaking to. Just the way He works. And we don't really get to vote. He chooses. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then you say to Aaron, Moses, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake. So the Lord is sending them to talk to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. And they're wondering, well, how, how is he going to know? You know how, like we're just going to walk in there and say, I am says, let my people go. And God says, well, he's going to ask you for a sign. And when he does, Moses, you say to Aaron, throw down your staff. Isn't it amazing that what Moses was asked to do by God, Moses was now entrusted to command others to do? I noticed that as I was reading this. I thought it was really awesome to see that. Because remember when, when God first encounters Moses, what does he tell him? He says, what's in your hand, Moses? A staff. Throw it down. He throws it down. It becomes a snake. What you can be trusted to obey, you can be entrusted to teach others. I'm telling you, obedience and following the Lord will lead with Him entrusting you with things that you can lead others into obedience and following the Lord with. Because first Moses was faithful to do exactly what God commanded him to do. That's why obedience is so important. It seems like a little thing. It's never a little thing. You know, obedience with the little, faithfulness with the little will make you ruler over much. The problem is, is if that's true, which it is because it's in the Word, there is no little thing. Because the little thing is the thing that makes you ruler over the big thing, but if you never get past the little thing, you never get to the big thing, so maybe the little thing really is a huge thing. And if we don't see it that way, we may be tempted sometimes to just kind of fudge the little things, because they're just little. When God speaks, it's not little. David obeys his father, brings his brother's lunch, which puts him in position to hear the challenge of Goliath, leads him into the valley, he kills the giant, which was a huge thing because then the armies of the, of the Israelites overtook and slew all of the Philistines. But it started because he was faithful to obey his father even though he had already been anointed king and could have easily said, why don't you bring him lunch? Why don't they bring me lunch? So maybe bringing his brother's lunch like his dad asked him to wasn't such a little thing. So he says, Moses, when, when Pharaoh says that, you tell Aaron. God could have told Aaron, Aaron, when, Mo when Pharaoh tells you that, I want you to throw your staff down. But he didn't. He told Moses to tell Aaron. Why? Because Moses is God's chosen leader. And when God speaks to his people, a lot of the times it's through another person. It's when it's in a, in a situation like that where there's an authority, God will often tell the person in authority to tell the other person to do something, even if the person has the ability to hear God themselves. 
because he's talking to Moses and Aaron. Yet he tells Moses, you tell Aaron to do this. Just be careful that we don't end up like Miriam and Aaron did. Why do we have to listen to Moses? We hear God too. When God's called you to be in submission to somebody, when God's called somebody to be a leader of your life, just be careful that you don't develop that same attitude because sometimes God may be speaking to both of you but telling one, I'm giving you the authority to tell them. Yeah, that went over real big. <laughs> I don't, don't clap too long. We have a lot of message to get through. It's all right to laugh, I promise. You won't become leprous. Um, but, Merriman, Aaron joke. Um, but isn't it funny how oftentimes God will take the thing that someone already is doing and supernaturally do something to it and cause something to happen? Remember that? You know, like we talked about with Peter and the fish. He says, we're going to pay taxes. And Peter says, how? He says, Peter, you're a fisherman. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Go down to the water, catch a fish, open its mouth. There will be a coin in there. He could have pulled a coin out of Peter's ear, right? He could have picked up a rock, flipped it in the air, and when it landed, it would have been a coin. He was capable of doing that, but he doesn't. What does he do? He takes the thing that Peter's already doing, he breathes on it supernaturally, and it becomes something it wasn't apart from him. Everybody's not called to be a pastor or a missionary. A lot of times, he just wants you to be a realtor that has relationships with people all over the place that speaks encouragement to them everywhere you go because those people aren't coming to church to hear the things that you know. Sometimes he just wants to use the thing that you're already doing, breathe on it, and watch something happen. So he tells Aaron, you've got a rod, you're going to throw it down. So they, they go to Pharaoh, and verse 10 says, So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. So they go there, and of course Pharaoh does what God said he would do. He says, why should I listen to you? Prove it, basically. Moses says, Aaron, throw your staff down. Aaron grabs his staff, throws it down, it becomes a snake. Voila! Instant proof that they are servants of the Lord because nobody could do this unless their God was actually a powerful God, right? So everybody's convinced This is why we have to be really careful that we don't just believe what we see because everybody watching that would have been convinced in that moment except for this. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. Yeah, Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, but just think about this. Think about if there wasn't someone there who actually believed and heard God's voice and was obedient that came along and demonstrated the real power of God, how many people could be led astray by watching those sorcerers? Because I promise you, they weren't confined to only mimicking what God had done before. If they could do that in that moment and Pharaoh called them to do it, it's because he trusted they could do it. Why did he trust they could do it? Because they had been doing it before, even when the real power of God wasn't present. That's why we need the power of God present in our lives, because I promise you there's a counterfeit out there. And if there's not the real to come along and swallow up the fake, how will people know? That's why we need discernment. Because if you're watching this, 
and you see one man throw his staff down, and he says he's speaking on God's behalf, but then you see all the sorcerers throw their staffs down, and they all turn into snakes, and they're saying the opposite. Who do you believe? What if Aaron's not there? What if Aaron's not there? And what if someone's doing things? Signs and wonders. And the real isn't present. How do you know? How do you not get led astray? Because what you're seeing would lead you to believe that surely these men must be from God if they can do these things. You notice that what they did looked the same as what Aaron and Moses did. So you couldn't just tell by what you saw because if you were looking at what you saw, they both looked the same. How do you know? Gift of distinguishing the Spirit. The Spirit of God inside of you showing you it may look right, but it's not right because it's not me. can't just go by what you see. You can't just go by what you hear. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It happened as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. So Paul and Luke and some of the disciples are traveling and they're preaching. They come to a city and this little girl who it turns out had a spirit of divination on her begins to speak and prophesy and prophetically declare something that she didn't know by talking to them. There was no way she should have known this. Be careful when people use telling you something that they should have no way of knowing as the only thing that you have to go by to believe them because I promise you there's a Spirit out there that's not the Holy Spirit that can reveal things to people because He did it then. And we can't just use the, well... Is it true, Tess? Because what she said was true. They really were servants of the Most High God there to tell them the way of salvation. That's a good start. But that can't be it. Because wonder if maybe the enemy wouldn't use truth to lure you in so that he could then speak a lie once you've given yourself to listening to them and submitted to them as a teacher or as a pastor or as a friend or a counselor or any of those things. You can't just go by what you hear. Because what she said was the truth. It says, and Paul became annoyed. That word there is grieved. He became burdened. I don't think Paul knew right away that it was a spirit of divination. I think that's why it went on for a couple days. 
But I do think that as soon as Paul realized it was, he dealt with it. We, maybe part of the reason he didn't understand right away that it was the wrong spirit was because what she was saying was true. See, it's easy for us if someone can come along, and I'm t- there's people out there that can read your mail because of just natural wisdom, or they're, they're, they're just good at reading body language, or they've learned how to say enough to get you to disclose things, and all of a sudden they're saying things to you, and you're going, whoa, that, that must be God because there's no way they should have known these things. Or maybe there's a spirit of divination because I promise you this is after Jesus went to the cross. After the enemy was defeated, he was still able to speak truth to this little girl that she could proclaim. It said her masters were using her to make money. They were profiting off of her because she could tell things that that she shouldn't have known. If this was going on in their time, I promise you it's still going on today. This isn't to freak us out. This is to say you can't just go by what you hear. You can't just go by what you see. You need the Spirit of God. You need to be able to discern and distinguish who's speaking. You notice Paul was not grieved at the girl. I mean, grieved at the, yeah, with the girl. He's grieved for her. He realizes she's being controlled by a demon. And so as soon as he realizes that, he turns, come out of her, you unclean spirit. Listen, the distinguishing of spirits is not like some movie exorcism thing where you grab a cross and I don't know what they do in that movie. I haven't even seen it, but I just seen like pictures where they have crosses and they're trying to put them on people's foreheads or whatever. They're like the, the enemy wants us to believe that's what this is about because then it freaks people out and then we start thinking it's just for Hollywood and we write it off as entertainment. Trust me, it came from somewhere and it was perverted. That's why there's pornography in our land. It's because God created something beautiful, something useful, something that He created for His people, and the enemy comes along and perverts it. The enemy can't create. All he can do is pervert. He can take something that God makes and then make it something that it was never meant to be. And that's what he does with these things. Why? Because it becomes some Hollywood fiction instead of understanding that this gift is very much for the Christian today. Because if the Apostle Paul needed it, and if, the, if evil spirits had the ability then to speak to people, the only promise that we have in the Bible is that as the days go on farther, that stuff's going to happen more often. Which means what? This same fruit of the Spirit should be manifesting in us more often. Because God's never been one to retreat while the enemy is growing. Ever. Ever. It's actually more for today. Because if the enemy has more ability to do it now, that means that the Spirit of God has more chance and more opportunity to manifest Himself in this way today. We've got to be careful that we don't just take someone who comes along and says something and because the one thing they say to us is true, that's the only thing we make our determination on and we submit ourselves to that person. Or we start to... And I'm, Listen, this can happen because you know what? When someone comes along that seems like they have a prophetic gift, it's exciting for people. Why? Because they're telling me things that I did. It's just like the woman said about Jesus. Here's a man who told me my whole life. Told me everything I did. 
she goes and repents, right? It's, it, it's exciting if someone comes along and they can speak prophetically and, and that's awesome and, 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 and whatnot, but you just have to make sure that you actually understand that there could be a different spirit besides the Holy Spirit behind it. And just because they know one thing they shouldn't and it turns out to be true doesn't mean that everything that they say from that point on is true. Because maybe they'd use that truth to lure you in so then they could begin to speak lies. Because maybe it's the fine-sounding arguments that we have to be careful about. You can't just go by what we've experienced. Think about this. Here's an amazing example of this. The disciples walk with Jesus. He teaches them. Then He dies and is resurrected. He empowers them. And then the church begins just being absolutely persecuted. And there's a young man named Saul who's one of the chief persecutors of the way, which is what they called the Christian church at that time. And everybody's heard about Saul. When they stone Stephen, they lay their coats at Saul's feet. He gives approval to the stoning of Stephen and watches Stephen killed. And he's uttering threats, it says. He was breathing threats against the church. He goes and he gets permission from the chief priests and Sadducees and the Pharisees to persecute and to go after. Basically, he got a warrant to go after anybody who was claiming to follow this Jesus. He's a persecutor of the church. And then all of a sudden, one day... See, we have the Bible... So we read, and then in a, in a minute, we read the rest of it without realizing this stuff was happening in real time. And all of a sudden, one day, Barnabas shows up with Saul and walks into the meeting. All of a sudden, Saul starts telling them that the things that they've been doing are not actually what Jesus desires for His church. And He's telling this to people who walked with Jesus. He's telling this to Jesus' brother. And now all of a sudden the disciples of Jesus have to decide if they're going to believe everything that they knew and experienced and what they knew to be true, or are they going to believe this person that's standing in front of them saying, I saw to it to be taught by no man but Jesus Christ Himself, and I spent three years with Him in the desert, and He gave me the revelation of the new covenant, and the Gentiles have been grafted in. This is the mystery that was hidden before the beginning of time, that the Gentiles are now grafted in. It's no longer just for the Jews. The Gospel came. Jesus came for the sin of the entire world and they have to look at this man and take everything that they've known everything they've experienced and they have to know am I going to believe him Peter's on a rooftop meditating and praying and goes into a trance listen the Bible's full of weird stuff it it is We try to tame it down and water it down, but it's full of weird things. And it's not like at the end, you know, that a PS on Revelation was, oh, and from now on, nothing will ever be weird. 
It's just not in there. We just want it to be that way because we're uncomfortable with things that we can't explain. So we'd rather just deny them than say, I don't know. So he's on a rooftop, he's meditating, praying, he goes into a trance and he sees this sheet coming down and he sees all these unclean animals and the Lord says, arise, kill, and eat. This goes against everything that Peter has ever known. These animals are unclean, you can't touch them, never mind eat them. And here it is, in a trance he's being told, kill them and eat them. You can't just go by what you've experienced or what you've known to be true. Now, if it's written out in the Word, you can always trust that. But what if God speaks to you something that's not against the Word, but you can't find it in the Word? Like, I want you to go here and do this. I want you to give this to this person. How do you know if that's just your spirit inside of you? How do you know if it's not the spirit of the enemy trying to lead you into deception? How do you know if it's the Spirit of God? What if it goes against everything that you've experienced up to that point? What if someone comes to you and says, hey, I was on a rooftop. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, God's not going to change the theology of the Bible with a trance on a rooftop. But put yourself in their position and now realize that just like back then, God may reveal things to you that go against what you've experienced in your life. Not that go against His Word, but that go against your life experience and then calls you into that. How do you know it's Him? Because your plan is, on paper, we're going to save X amount of money, and we're going to save this much, and we're going to save this much, and we're going to invest it here, and we're going to do this, and then when we get to this point, we're going to take this chunk, and we're going to put it into this, we're going to do that with it, that will grow it to here, and then when we get that, we're going to take it, and we're going to do this, and then we'll have a house mortgage-free. Awesome. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you to take half of what you've saved, and I want you to give it to that person. How do you know? How do you know it's not the enemy trying to destroy what God was doing? How do you know it's not just you feeling bad because you have more than somebody else? Or how do you know it's the Spirit of God telling you to do something that obedience will lead you into fruitfulness? You better be able to distinguish between spirits. We need this. <laughs> we need it so bad. We need to be able to distinguish it inside of ourselves. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, When the days were approaching for His ascension, He was determined, He being Jesus, was determined to go to Jerusalem, and He sent messengers on ahead of Him. And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for Him, but they did not receive Him because He was traveling towards Jerusalem. They, the, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. And they're like, well, if you're going there, we don't even want you here. This was an insult, right? Like, we're not going to receive you. You can't even stay here on your way there. Never mind stay here forever. We don't even want you here because you're going there. It says, when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command down fire to, from heaven to consume them? This is the disciple who laid against Jesus' breast. The disciple whom Jesus loved. wants to kill a whole city. Just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean everything you do is right. And it doesn't mean that every thought you have is from Him. It also doesn't mean that every thought you have is from you. 
You need to understand that, that the enemy is constantly throwing darts out there just looking for a way in. Think about it. Jesus is tempted in every way that is common to man, yet without sin. The devil comes to him and tempts him, and he has to think about what the tempter's saying so that he can respond. He doesn't just give him a, apples are better for rabbits. Right? The enemy comes to him and says, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. He doesn't look at him and say, air conditioning, red viper. No, he, he thinks about what the enemy is saying and he responds, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of the Father. What does it mean? It means that the thought entered into his mind. He took it captive and responded with truth. Just because a thought enters into your mind doesn't mean it's yours. It's what you do with it. If we think everything that we think is ours, we will condemn ourselves because we'll think, holy smokes, I, I can't believe I wanted to do that. I can't believe that thought entered into my mind. Wow, there must be something wrong with me. How could I even say that I'm born again and following Jesus? These people are following Jesus. And they want to kill a whole city. Whole city, think about that. Kids and everyone. Because they didn't want to let Jesus sleep there. Yeah, there's a chance for you who wants to smash somebody's car in traffic. You don't want to kill their family. You don't want to kill them. You just want to make them pay. Okay, I want to make them pay. I'm getting better. I am. It's my cross to carry. Idiots in traffic. Okay, maybe I'm the idiot. Jesus, he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, and they went on to another village. What's he say to them? You guys aren't distinguishing what spirit's speaking. You guys don't realize the spirit that you're listening to. Because you're standing here with me wanting to do the exact opposite of the thing that I'm standing here wanting to do. I didn't come to destroy these people. I came to save them. Just because you're following Jesus, just because Jesus is standing next to you physically, side by side, doesn't mean that every thought and every influencing spirit is Him. You can be that close to Jesus and the enemy can come in and try to slip something in there. You better be able to distinguish what spirit it is that is speaking before you do something exactly opposite of what Jesus would have you do. That's sobering. You know what the the amazing thing about this is? He's way more committed to you getting it right than you are. (laughs) Otherwise, this would be a depressing message. We'd just go home and put up the white flag. Because if those guys didn't get it right all the time, there's no chance that we would. But the truth of the matter is, is we actually have something inside of us that Jesus said was better than Him next to us. And I know that's hard for us to fathom, but He said it and it doesn't change it just because our experience doesn't seem to bear that out. Because that came from His mouth. Here's what it's not. I'm just going to close up with this. Just a few warnings. It's not a license to become suspicious or critical. Here's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to perform judo. 
Judo uses your own body's weight and momentum against yourself. So, you have discernment, and you've actually operated in the gift of discernment a few times, and you're, you're starting to really understand that, man, there's really something behind this. And He just comes along and kind of helps you out. Not, not turning in the other direction saying, oh, come on, there's really not a spirit behind everything because you've seen too much for that to work. He doesn't try to come and turn you in the opposite direction. He just wants to help you go in the direction you're going, but go a little farther and a little faster than you're supposed to. So all of a sudden, now there's a demon behind every bush. How many of you have ever encountered demonic activity? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have ever encountered angelic activity? Raise your hand. You realize there's two-thirds of the angelic forces are good? That means for every one demon, there's two angels? That means if we're encountering demonic activity, we should probably be encountering angelic activity twice as much. Not running around looking for a demon behind everything. Not being critical and suspicious of every person. But that's what happens. A lot of times, critical will, descri- will, dis- will disguise itself as discernment. And people say, well, I'm just really discerning. No, you're very critical. I'm serious. Oh, I just, I just have a strong gift of discernment. No, you have a lot of suspicion. What if we started to suspect that maybe everybody's awesome? What if our suspicion was that they're created in the image and likeness of God and we're created for His glory? What if we just trusted that if we needed to know something that God would show us, that we didn't have to be suspicious and critical, that it wasn't up to us, that that's why there's gifts of the Spirit? It's also not a reason to live devil conscious. Jesus said in John 5.19, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. And for whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. What's He saying? My eyes aren't focused on the devil and what he's doing and trying to figure out his plan. My eyes are fixed on the Father. And if I'm following after him, the plans of the enemy aren't going to destroy me because I'm watching what my Father's doing. That's the way we're supposed to live. God conscious. If we need to know... People say, well, Paul said don't be ignorant. No, no, he did not. He said we are not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. What does that mean? It means that we are not ignorant of that there's an enemy in the land that he has a scheme against us and if we're walking after the Spirit, we'll know every single time which is which. We'll never ever find ourselves in a place where we were ignorant of something if we're following after the Spirit of God. It's only when we take our eyes off the Father and put them on anything else that we're able to fall. Bill Johnson said this. I love it. He said, I only want to look for the enemy long enough to get the crosshairs on him. That's it. I just want to know what he's doing long enough to destroy it. I don't care about spending my life studying it. I want to know what God's doing. I want to know what the Father's doing. I want to know what his purpose is. I want to see people the way he sees them. And if the way he sees them, there's a demonic thing that's, that's controlling them like the little girl, he'll let me know and then it's easy to deal with it. Why? Because God showed you that so that they could be set free, not so that you could run around and tell people they have a demonic spirit. If you've discerned it, you have a responsibility to deal with it. It's funny to me that so many people have the gift of discernment, but not many people have the gift of dealing with things that discernment is supposed to lead you to. You discern it, go deal with it. 
Instead, we use the gift of discernment as the reason to gossip. Hey, I just want to let you know, I was talking to this person the other day, and ooh, I got a weird feeling, and I'm telling you right now, I think something's wrong with them. I think that there may be some kind of demonic activity. It's probably the Jezebel spirit. <laughs> well, if you really believe that, go deal with it. Because that person's in bondage. That person's life is being destroyed by that thing. So do something. Well, I did. I prayed that God would send somebody. Maybe He showed you because He wants to send you. Paul didn't discern that there was a spirit of divination on the girl and then go back to Jerusalem, get John and James and say, hey, there's a girl with a spirit of discernment of divination on her back at that time. Maybe you guys should go deal with it. He understands if God's showing me something, it's for a reason. And God's always here for one thing. What? To set the captives free. So if He's showing it to you, it's because He wants to use you in bringing that person to freedom, not so that you can tell everybody else about the bondage they're in. Let's finish it up. I know I said I'm going to close. I'm really going to close. I'm going to have to get better at this when we go to two services. Um, maybe I'll just preach a different message both services and you can listen to the podcast. Um, I remember one time that there was, a, there was an instance where, this, where something happened. I just, this woman came up to Patty one time after she had got done leading worship and she walked up to her and so sweetly and sincerely said, I just love it when you lead worship. That's awesome, right? Everybody that leads worship wants to hear that, except for it wasn't awesome. Because there was an ugliness behind it. That the words, though they were dripping with honey, couldn't mask. And Patty said, she came home and she said, so-and-so came up to me and said, I love it when you lead worship. She said, and, and that sounds good, but it actually like felt disgusting to me. There's a spirit behind that, and I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but there's something off, and I want to figure it out. And, and I just, through my own experience, a lot of times the enemy will come with flattery because he's saying things that you really want to hear. That's why you have to make sure that your identity is rock solid in who Jesus says that you are and who God's called you to be and that you're not finding your identity through other people. Because if you're finding your identity through other people and what they think about you, you are a sitting duck, a wide open target for flattery to come along and work its way into your heart. And so time went on and we watched and we saw this person and we, we tried so hard to, to pray for this person, to talk to this person, to, to, to take authority over what was in this person, but this person enjoyed or wanted this thing there and, and held on to it. And it went from a flattering spirit that said nice things to an ugly spirit that uttered threats, even to the point of talking about killing people. And eventually just kind of destroyed itself and was gone. Still pray for that person. Still love that person. But we have to be really careful that we don't just take what people say and because it's something we want to hear, we give them our ear, we give them place, we give them position. Make sure that we're able to actually distinguish the Spirit that's speaking. Otherwise, we open ourselves up to being led astray. Because it could sound so good. It could even be true and have nothing to do with God. Father, I just thank You that You've given us this gift. God, I pray that we would desire this. Lord, Your Word 
tells us to desire these gifts, Lord. And so I just pray that, that You would put inside of us a hunger and a desire for these things. That we would be so uh, 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 desiring these, God, that, that it would be Your will to give them. Father, that every situation we find ourselves in, we're able to distinguish what kind of a spirit. Who is it, God? Is this the spirit of man? Is this the spirit of God? Is it a demonic spirit? God, is this an angelic thing going on? Are you at work here, Father? We want to be able to know what's going on, but not only that, we want to know why it's going on. And I thank you that you just would open our eyes to truth, God, that we wouldn't lean on what we see, what we hear, or what we've known only, God, but that we would lean on you and everything that proceeds from your mouth. We need your voice, Father. We need to know you. We need to hear you. We want to walk with you, God, every single day. Jesus, if you said it's better for you to go so the Holy Spirit could come, we ask that our lives would be an example of that. God, that that wouldn't just be a theory, but that we would be able to say Jesus was right. The Spirit of God living in me is amazing. I thank you for that in His name. Amen.